Hey, how's it going? This is Craig Cannon, and you're listening to Y Combinator's podcast. Today's episode is with Jake Klampka and Kevin Hale. Jake founded Insight. Insight provides intensive, seven-week professional training fellowships in fields such as data science and data engineering. Insight was in the YC 2011 batch. Kevin's a visiting partner at YC. Before YC, Kevin was a co-founder of Wufu, which was funded by YC in 2006 and acquired by SurveyMonkey in 2011. You can find Jake on Twitter at Jake Klampka and Kevin at I like this. All right, here we go. So Kevin, for those of uh, our listeners that don't know who you are, what's your deal? I'm a partner here at Y Combinator. I actually was in the second ever batch. I was in winter 2006 and I founded a company called Wufu. Ran that for five years and then we were acquired by SurveyMonkey and that moved us from Florida to California, and that's when PG asked if I'd be interested in helping out mm-hmm. at YC. And I've been there pretty much ever since. Yeah, and you suggested Jake as a guest for this episode. So Jake, what do you do? So I'm the founder and CEO of Insight. So Insight is an education company. We run uh, fellows programs that help scientists and engineers uh, transition to careers in data science and AI. And um, it's a pretty unique model because they're completely free, these fellowships. They're full-time. Uh, the company sort of fund the, the process. Engineer scientists build projects for for seven weeks. They meet top data teams and they get hired on those teams. We've got over two thousand Insight alumni working as data scientists now across the US and Canada. Nice. And you always haven't been working on this, so you applied yeah. to YC for the winter twenty eleven batch. That's right. Yeah. And what was your idea then? So I was I was back in. So I started my career, and this this is relevant to why I started Insight because I basically started. I wish I wish it existed when I was around. Uh, I was a physicist yeah. uh, at the University of Toronto. I thought I was going to be a scientist for the rest of my life. Um, and then partway through my PhD, I realized I want to go into technology. And I think to myself, I'm, I'm writing code. I'm uh, building machine learning models. This is great. I've got, I've got what I need. And it frankly took me a long time to transition. Uh, eventually got into Y Combinator, came down here from the Winter 11 batch. I was building a bunch of time mobile, uh, mobile sort of productivity apps that were machine learning enabled. And, uh, and, didn't quite get the up into the right graph that you would hope for after YC. Um, but it was an incredible experience. And, you know, in those sort of, in that sort of late 2011, after it's called six, 12, 12 months after YC was searching for a new idea mm-hmm. and, um, actually went, spoke with Paul Graham and a few other advisors. And the recommendation was work on a problem you yourself have have. You're kind of building these apps that, you know, you're trying to use these machine learning models and hopefully somebody's got that uh, as a problem, but flip it around. Start with a problem you've had, then figure out what the solution is. And when I reflected on it, it took me a few years to really make this transition. I've been so close all along, but I didn't know product. I wasn't really connected in the valley. Um, there's a bunch of, you know, technically I had the, the fundamentals, but a lot of the tool sets were different uh, in the industry. So I didn't know what I didn't know. And when I got down here and I started talking to people, that's when I finally started figuring it out. And I uh, was seeing a lot of my friends having that same struggle. So brilliant, you know mathematicians, neuroscientists, biologists, also engineers later, we found the same thing, kind of getting stuck. And like, they're like, I want to go into data science. I want to go into AI. I want to go into these cutting edge fields. But, you know, it doesn't say the right thing on my resume or I'm kind of like, you know, just getting uh, uh, that last mile is is really hard to to uh, to cross. And I thought, OK, well, this is a problem I want to solve mm. because these are some of the most brilliant people I'd ever worked with. A lot of them were my former uh, colleagues from physics. And I thought, what does the solution for this look like? And at, fa- at first I was focused on, it's going to be an app again, right? It's some machine learning enabled app. And then I realized, 
Now it actually probably looks more like an in-person program where folks are getting together, building cool projects, and then uh, getting started from there. And so did you just and go ahead and teach a class? Yeah. So I, I basically, um, you know, started talking. First, I talked to companies and I said, listen, I've got these brilliant friends coming out of academia who I think you should be hiring. Why aren't you hiring them? And basically what they told me is, um, I know they're brilliant. I know they got all these skill, great skills, but they're probably like one to two months away of from where I need them to be mm-hmm. in terms of if I had full days to mentor them for a month or two, they'd be an incredible data scientist. But they're like, I don't have a month or two to mentor them. So I say no in the interview. Right. And so I'm like, well, I have a month or two. <laughs> so maybe what insight is going to be is that month or two where folks are filling in those last pieces of the puzzle, learning the the sort of cutting edge techniques and um, sort of tool sets and, and other things. And then let's bring those data scientists in the room and have them hire. And, uh, and then we, we just jump students? right in and, and I, and I ran the first sessions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first session was just me. Uh, first students. So the focus was, were PhDs. So that first group was in 2012. Were they like your friends? Office. No, no. I mean, I had to go beyond my friends. So at first I started talking to my friends in academia. Um, so that, you know, I got confirmation from my friends in academia that, yeah, I mean, I already knew that they were looking for jobs and they were excited about transitioning. I got confirmation from the hiring managers to say, listen, we're hiring. We can't find folks with the full skill set. If you bring them into a room, we'll, we'll go look at them. And then uh, the rest was kind of getting, how, getting how the word out and getting How did you know what to teach them? Because you mentioned that you didn't know what you didn't know. Yeah. And I so, mean, by that time, I had spent like three years figuring it out, including doing YC and meeting a bunch of data scientists and building a bunch of data products. So, you know, by that point, I, I kind of knew what the pieces were. But also, really, the program was focused not on me teaching the fellows. It was focused on me bringing in the sort of leading data scientists at the time and mm. having them directly tell them. So we had, you know, uh, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Square, all these early data teams in 2012, their heads of data science come in. So they're willing directly, to do like one day. They just couldn't commit like a yeah, month. Yeah, that's exactly gotcha. it. That's exactly it. They're like, I'll, I'll come in for a few hours, but I don't have two months. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, if I have a bunch of you come in for a few hours plus, you know, really have these folks kind of working away for a few months, learning from each other, learning from these mentors, once how we big, had alumni too, it was incredible. We had all these alumni coming in to help. And it's like, this how really big was nice that first class? Cycle. It was eight fellows. And then how many of them did you get them jobs? Uh, all of them pretty much. Yeah. All yeah. of them. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. One went to Facebook, one went to Square, one went to LinkedIn, one went to Twitter. I mean, at the time these were like, they still are the top data teams, but I mean, it was, it was, it was a clear success. It was super stressful. I didn't yeah. have the model. I had, hadn't figured it out. It was crazy. I mean, what uh, mistakes did you make? Like, was that first class kind of a shit show? Oh, of course. Of yeah. course. So what uh, was in the, the in, the, in the, in the sense that, in the sense that it was the first time I was doing it. And a lot of it, a career transition is always stressful. Whenever people are doing insight, they're stressed, but at least there's a track record there. And now we have things baked pretty well at that time. The overall idea was there, but the, a lot of the details weren't there, right? And so, and frankly, the track record wasn't there. So a lot of these folks are like, what have I done? I, I'm in a room with this guy who's never done this before. Like, so there, there was a lot of stress just around, is this even going to work? This, this Were weird model. Dead? Um, what I'm trying but, to understand uh, is like, but what, we made it work. We what is, I, what got, is got like, like, what did those eight students believe? Right. Like, were they desperate? Or like, were you great at sales? No, no. I think, I think they were, they're genuinely excited. Like we, part of the application process, I, I got way more applications than I expected. And mm. when I started it, um, there was a real demand to get into the field. Um, I didn't have a track record, but I basically went around to these universities and said, 
I've, I'm going to have the head of data science from Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, all these companies coming in and you're going to meet them. So the roster made them feel a lot more comfortable. That's right. Yeah. And they were, and my interview process really centered around how excited you're about this. So the folks who are like, I really don't want to do this, but yeah. I need a plan B. No, thank you. Right. It was the people who are, who said to me, I love my work as an, as a scientist, but I really want to kind of move, have a kind of more of an applied impact right. in the world. I'm excited about what I'm seeing here. Here's what I think I can do. I mean, that's kind of folks I would, I would take into the program. Mm-hmm. Totally makes sense. Starting off with like qualifying the lead. It's, it's such a more common technique you're seeing a lot of startups do now, like mm-hmm. Superhuman, for example. Just yeah. heavily qualifying a lead before they'll even let them access to the product. So oh, that absolutely. way you're trying to guarantee that like the time I do spend absolutely. with someone that's like, Going to have a spectacular experience. Yeah, that's why these, how did you, these higher managers wanted to come in. How did like you figure out what students folks. were going to be the most excited about this? Like, what do you ask them? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I had some opinions, but really what I did is I went to these early heads of data science teams and said, what do you look for? Mm-hmm. And what they said is, I, you know, they the list off some technical skills, but... You know, it's kind of like Glazer, oh, they need to know SQL, they need to know Python, they need to know, you know, and it's like, I'm like, okay, but what, what really like would like clinch it for you? Like they, yeah. they, like you want this person. And there's two things always. There's like, they have a side project hmm. and, and their eyes would light up. They'd go, oh, if they had a side project and if you send me a URL, uh, oh, I'm like, then I know they're excited. Then I know they're, and so that's where the idea came around for, Hey, this isn't about, you know, these folks have been through enough classes. It's about actually building. It's Proof. about actually creating something, improving that I've got all these great background, but now I'm going to do this last piece of the puzzle to show you I can do something relevant in this area. And the second thing that they wanted, and I think this is where the project really shows this, but they wanted overall is just curiosity. So folks, and I thought that they weren't being serious, to be honest with you, because I was like, yeah, yeah, you say you want curiosity, but really you just want somebody who's good at like SQL or something, right? Yeah. Or good at like machine learning. And it, it proved to be true. The people they were hire would be the ones who were the people who, hey, I, I studied astrophysics, but uh, in my spare time, I was like kind of dabbling with genomics. And then I got into machine learning on the side. And then I built this cool for fun project that like, I don't know, predicts like where I should go to, you know, uh, I don't know camping or something because I'm a big camper or something. And and then you take a person like that and that's the kind of folks that these teams want, wanted and still want because these problems are so open-ended. Well, it's they like the curious, curi- people. curious people don't get blocked as much, exactly. right? Exactly. They're willing to try other things. And, you know, it's such a new field. The, the, the roles our, our fellows are getting hired into, most of the companies, it's not like, we know what we need you to do, just do it. Yeah. It's, what can we even do here, right? What can we, what kind of impact so, can we have with data? Uh, what again, how did you solve? ask, how did you test for that? Like, curious, yeah. like the project seems like, okay, that's something we have to shoot for. But again, it's like, how did you mm-hmm. know that these were the right eight people? Well, so, you know, a lot of it was trial and error. I would do like 12 plus interviews a day and, and kind of, you kind of get to know folks and, and kind of get to know it. But I think the main thing, the signal that I saw was it's kind of that example I gave is that almost uh, people would be almost apologetic. They'd be like, listen, uh, what I'm about to tell you is not part of my, uh, my usual work, but it's on the side. And, and it's like, no, no, I want to hear about that. Uh, I remember I had this, uh, one of the fellows, um, came, well, she became a fellow, uh, but she was in an early session. She was a mathematician at Berkeley and she had done all this incredible analysis. I can't re- quite remember what, like this really cool data analysis project, I think on like maybe flight times or something in sports. I can't quite remember. And partway through the interview, I'm like, but the, you're a mathematician. Like, don't you do right. pencil and paper math? Yeah. And she's, I had done some math. She's like, oh yeah, like I can't remember what the field was. And she's like, oh yeah, this is, this is not even part of my, and she almost felt kind of apologetic. I was like, this is who I want as a fellow, right? 
brilliant mathematician doing incredible work uh, and able to, on the side, on the weekend, quickly pick up Python, this, that, the other, make something useful. Um, she, she went on to what she worked at is, is uh, continues to work at Facebook. She went to Facebook after the program, been super successful yeah. ever since. So that, it's people like that, that you're like, I, I want you. So this is right? related to one of these like overarching uh, questions we mm -hmm. had for you. So basically it's like, how can people get into data science? Mm -hmm. And then what are the pitfalls for people who say have a PhD, you know, they know Python, they're like at a higher yeah. level than like a coding bootcamp person. Yeah. What are the pitfalls they make when they're trying to bridge that gap and get into a data science role provided that they didn't do your program? Yeah, absolutely. And we see it because we, you know, I started with scientists and now we also have programs for engineers who yeah. are transitioning to machine learning, engineering, deep learning research. And you sort of see very similar problem on both sides, which is folks are extremely focused on um, the, the sort of technical, let, let me get the algorithmic knowledge down. Let me know every last algorithm, which of course you need and you need those foundations. Yeah. But when you're already dealing with someone who has, you know, been doing a bunch of work for years in a PhD or in engineering in these areas, what you actually want to see and what these teams want to see is communication ability. It's ability to understand the underlying like business and product problem, because what they want to do is hire someone who's going to first think about what are we trying to accomplish here? How can we help our users? How can we help our company succeed? And then figure out how do I use my tool set of machine learning or analysis to do it? And what often happens, and this is the pitfall, is, you know, part of why you get into it is because you're excited about yeah. that analysis, you're excited about the, the machine learning. And so you start always putting that first and you're always like, let me tell you the algorithms I can build. And it's like, what, what, what folks need to start who are trying to transition into it need to start thinking about product, need to start thinking about business, need to ask like the skills there are like what are they actually trying to make them a better salesperson. And what what's interesting about the, the Ooh, advice that we give to a lot of people right. about sales is like it's not about selling your own thing. It's right. about understanding their problem oh, then and, I completely feeding, agree. and then yeah. feeding whatever you mm -hmm. have to them. And so yeah. it seems like for the data science, the same thing needs to happen. It's That's not exactly to say right. here's all the things I have. Right. It is like Try to figure out what it is that you fit into for them. Exactly right. And it's like understand the underlying – forget data. Forget machine learning algorithms. What are we trying to accomplish here? What's our mission? What are, what are we trying to do for our users? And then – Like making yourself look like the solution. Not exactly. trying to be like, oh, I have a bunch of stuff. Exactly. Which, which one of these things are you interested exactly. in? Exactly. I, I have a hammer and a screwdriver. Like which, like I can use all of them. It's like what are we trying to build here? Yeah. And, and sometimes that's set. actually a, a separate role. So for mm -hmm. instance, say like Facebook might list a data science job. Mm -hmm. Whereas some you know smaller startup would say like we're, we have an engineering role open. Right. And you might classify yourself as a data scientist. So yes. if you have to pitch data science to a startup, right. how do you do that as an right. engineer? Uh, this is a great question. So first of all, data science machine learning engineering, these are all like super broad umbrella terms. It's such a new field. Yeah. It's maybe a, you should define so, data science. So yeah, yeah. Maybe what I'll do is define data science. And, and I think, I think this is, this is going to, this is essentially answering your question, which is, uh, so what we see in the industry, uh, kind of broadly speaking, broad terms, details, let's not worry about the details. It's sort of, I see kind of three big pieces of how sort of data science is used. So some data science roles are what I kind of call product analytics or business analytics roles. The idea there is you're looking for uh, a better understanding. You're analyzing data about users or, or a company and trying to understand how to improve it, mm -hmm. help users succeed, help the business succeed. The second uh, types of roles that we see are uh, data product roles. So these are roles where you're actually using machine learning and predictive models to actually change the user experience and give them 
something they want uh, as right right there and then as part of the product. And the third one is kind of, uh, you know, usually what you hear termed as like AI, which is, you know, AI roles, machine learning, engineering roles, where it's not just a feature in the product, like that's the prediction. It's like the product is machine learning, right? Like it's like a, like a self-driving car. Like if that doesn't, if this, if the machine learning doesn't work, like the whole product doesn't work. Um, and so you'll, you'll have an example of a is lot there of not teams misunderstanding in, which one, which is, one they Is there need. not a category in between where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, machine learning like supplements a feature? Yeah. Or augments? Yeah. 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 So usually that's where folks talk about data products. So when they talk about data products, it's often like a feature. So mm. uh, like the Netflix recommendation, mm. uh, engine. That's a situation where honestly, if they didn't have machine learning, they could still just say like, here are the top movies, go watch them. Yeah. But with that predictive model, you're really getting a much better experience. And so we have probably 30 plus fellows working at Netflix. A lot of them work on that stuff, but some of them work on analytics, which is how are people even using this, this product? What could we at a more product level do to improve it? And, and there the output isn't a feature that the user sees, like, like a actual algorithm serving recommendations. There it's like, they have to go and communicate with the product team to say, hey, users seem to want us to be uh, building this sort of product for them. Let's over the next six to 12 months take the, the product in that direction. It's like a very different role. Here's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. So I know like what the dream scenario for a lot of data scientists are. Like I want to get a job working on these interesting problems. Right. Like what should they look out for? that they should avoid in a company. Like, like what, are, what is yeah. a company who says, because I think everyone's kind of thinking yeah. or more than should is like looking for a data scientist. And right. what should a data scientist be worried about? Yeah. It's like, oh, they're not ready to actually hire me. And if I go here, this will be a bad experience. See, remember how I said the data scientist needs to know what the actual problem is? The yeah. company needs to know what the actual problem is. Uh, and so the companies you need to be wary about are the ones where it's like, hey, I, you know what? Just like, I want deep learning. And it's yeah. like, what, what, what does that mean? What do you want us to do here? And why do you need it? Uh, and the company you want to go to is the one that's, uh, got a, got a mission you align with. You want to ha- see them succeed. You want to have, have whatever solution they're bringing to the market, uh, you know, thrive in the world. And then they have a clear sense of if we add some data analysis to this, if we add machine learning to this, it's going to be better. Uh, and then you can help them get there. So someone from Twitter asked this, uh, Chuck Grimmett asked, when do you know, uh, or when do you know you need to bring in seasoned data scientists? Mm. So like, is there any right. kind of benchmark you can offer? Yeah, I think, um, so first of all, I think you have to start as a founder, start with the idea and you can do this. I recommend this before you have a data scientist understand is data sort of critical to my, to building my product or is it something that I'll just add on once it's already working and, and I need to kind of optimize the experience. Um, so, uh, you know, an example, um, an example for sort of something critical is like uh, Amazon Alexa, right? Like yeah. if you're building Alexa, like that, those algorithms, voice recognition algorithms better work from day one uh, versus a scenario where like, say um, you're at, on the analytics team at Airbnb and you already have a lot of users and you're just trying to optimize that experience, right? Um, and so for a startup, figure that out first. Hmm. And then if you need one from day one, hire one from day one. Uh, if you get a machine learning engineer in the door who really that's their forte, you're going to be better set up for success uh, instead of trying to sort of, uh, you know, kind of hack it and then, and then have to kind of catch up later hmm. because often you don't know what you don't know and you might not be tracking the right data or you're not, you're not sort of uh, setting things up your infrastructure in a way that's going to help you scale later. And then those, those, especially in products where machine learning is critical, that becomes challenging. Hmm. Um, one thing I recommend to startups actually is, 
talk to just, just talk to folks in the industry and, and frankly get an advisor, right? If you're not ready to hire a data scientist yet, talk, at least maybe think about getting a data science advisor because they're going to be able to sit Where down. Where do you find those? <laughs> yeah, good question. Uh, so, um, I'm trying to understand like, who, who gives that information <laughs> yeah. for free? Uh, email me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, you'd be surprised. A lot of, I, I mean, maybe some of the top folks who started the data science team at like LinkedIn, you know, that's, that, that's, that's hard to get an advisor, but, you know, I think even any sort of data scientist who's been in the field who knows what they're doing will be able to sit with a founder and say, listen, you're probably going to want to instrument these features to collect this data because you're going to want to analyze this later. Or here's the type of work you want done probably down the road. So like you want someone um, to help you understand how to lay the groundwork to actually do that hire. Right. You guys started off with eight students in that first class mm -hmm. can you talk about where it is right now like how many yeah. students are you processing now and then also yeah. like what is different about the curriculum and program yeah yeah so it's definitely scaled up a bit since then uh we're now in five cities so san francisco new york boston seattle toronto uh, my hometown just launched it this year which is fun and uh we've got a bunch of different specializations now so data science is one data engineering health data ai we're even sort of uh, doing product management now, helping product managers transition to AI. So overall, we're uh, oh, we do three sessions a year. It's and like almost like you have different classes depending on where you're starting on on the profession. specializations. Yeah, because mm -hmm. the the field specialized, right? It used to be like you just hire a data scientist who you hope will take care of everything. And now you, you want folks who are building infrastructure, the data engineers, you want the data scientists who are sort of laying, building the early prototypes and figuring out what to build. And then more often than not now, you need machine learning engineers to really kind of put that into production now. Um, and so you see these different specializations and we have essentially have a program for each. So the data science program is for PhDs, uh, cause that sort of scientific, uh, experience is critical. The AI program, for instance, is for PhDs, but predominantly for engineers, actually, who are going into machine learning engineering roles. Then how big are these classes? So there are, so overall across all the cities and programs, we're at about 300, oh, just over 300 fellows per session now, but each program is small. So we keep it sort of maximum 20 to 30, 35 fellows. And cause the idea for is each you, one of those sub programs. That's right. Gotcha. Each program is in each location because you want that, the collaboration is critical. You want that group to sort of gel. Everybody's working on a project. You want you want people kind of uh, tapping each other on the shoulder, asking for help. You want that alumni who's coming in to be able to kind of sit with the the, the fellows. How long is like and, the, uh, class? the small groups really are critical for that? How long is the class? Seven weeks. And then super fast. So what gets done in seven weeks? Yeah, so it's pretty incredible how fast people learn and what they build. So literally, um, you know. They'll, they'll go from in week one trying to come up with the idea or partnering with a startup. So often fellows work with startups. We have a partnership with YC. So right from the get go, with, they start with a project. Well, week one's figure out what project. Gotcha. So like your first week is like, should I come up with something on my own and build it based on advice I'm getting from our alumni, from our mentors, our, our team? Or should I go partner with a YC startup mm -hmm. who's got a data challenge that they want solved? And so that's step one is figure out what you're building, figure out what, and again, figure out what problem you're building in the next couple of weeks, you better build it fast. So folks have to go from literally nothing to like an MVP in a, in a week or two. Are, are they, and then they're out presenting those projects in, in a few weeks time. They're working individually because okay. they're trying to show that they're able to kind of execute end to end on a real world problem, but it's incredibly collaborative. So if you mm -hmm. come to insight, it's like, it's, it's, doesn't look like a, a classroom. It's look like kind of like a startup office and everybody's just kind of at desks sitting together and people are on whiteboards. They're talking to each other, helping each other. Cause you know, you encounter the same problems, technical, otherwise. 
And it's that collaborative aspect that allows people to move super fast and learn a ton. And, um, and if in, you're in, in the program or you're just checking out the program, yeah. maybe applying for jobs like this, yeah. what are the types of projects that you recommend avoiding? Mm. You know, things that people have seen a hundred times before. Yeah. I recommend, uh, like are people happy on Twitter is like, that's maybe done. That's a bad example. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give a general, a general example. Cause there's people have been doing like this, uh, uh, the more kind of, I think useful example is make something useful. Right. So I think it's really easy to just be like, I took this algorithm that used to operate at 99.1% and now accuracy. And now I'm going to make it 92.3%. Like, you know, and I don't know why, but like it's better now. Right. Or, uh, what you see scientists sometimes do is this very generic, like I studied, um, you know, here I'll give you an example of a project I love that I felt come up with, you know, so here's the bad version. Here's the version someone did at insight, but you can do it at, you know, do this at home. So the bad version. So let's say the topic is solar panels. You want to understand solar panel usage and really, uh, enable people to, to adopt solar panels. Bad project is mm-hmm. I analyze general trends about solar panel usage in California, right? It's mm-hmm. like, look at this interesting fact I found about it's like, okay, whatever, right? Maybe for an analyst report, that's interesting, but not for actually getting anything done. To me, it's like, it has no call to action. Exactly. Like you want it to be almost opinionated because that way exactly. a business knows it's like, oh, I can look at this now and know what to do. That's exactly right. I think the bad projects are the ones that feels like, oh, now I have homework. That's right. Oh, it's here's some And it's actually the problem I have with consider. a lot of like analytics startups. It's yeah. like all you do is like just tell me yeah. that tell I me don't do. know anything, yeah. but now I still don't know what to do. So that, I've paid to be told that, that's so exactly I have right. to figure stuff out or it right. feels dumb. Exactly. And so the good version of this project, which is a fellow did and is one of my favorites is I'm a homeowner. Should I buy solar or not? Will solar be profitable on my roof? Okay. That's a hard problem. What's the weather like? What's the, I mean, a ton of different factors. Press that there's some predict, some predictive aspects of all that. All this, the fellow took all this data, synthesized it, build a predictive model. I come in, I type in my address. It tells me whether I should buy solar or not. Oh, they basically built a product. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, ah. great. So all these all these projects are very product focused. They're so product focused that sometimes companies are like, "Why are you showing us products when like we just want data scientists?" And the answer is because that demonstrates that people can think product wise, and and they end up loving it because they mm. sort of abstractly don't understand why they're showing us products, but but people gravitate to real solutions, and then well they hire yeah. the, they hire the fellows. So, so well, so this is related uh, to something we great. talked about the yeah. other day, which is like. In the future, are more data scientists going to become founders or is mm. that like personality, that mentality? Like, is that best suited within a big company? Yeah, the thing I absolutely, the, I think. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. So yeah. this is not going to be a case like designers who've like, for some reason, designers don't tend to become founders. You know, let, we'll see how it shapes up in terms of like, is it going to be on mass, uh, data scientists? But certainly I would say uh, probably about a quarter of every fellows program I, I see like, raise their hand when they say they want to start a company in the next five years. Um, oh shit. I'm going to get my yeah. ass out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, and so I think that's going to be a big thing. We've already seen some of our, uh, alumni start companies, although again, it's early in, in the early days, we have very few fellows. So, but, uh, uh, Diana Wu was in, uh, one of the early sessions started trace genomics, a genomics company, which, uh, uses uh, genomic data to tell farmers when to plant, when not to plant. Mm-hmm. Super interesting. Not an alumni, uh, but like an early mentor, uh, Ben Kamins, uh, used to be the kind of founding engineer at, um, at, uh, Khan Academy. Hmm. And he hired, uh, uh, one of our fellows, Lauren, who is a physicist. She went there, helped them sort of 
you know, help impact a bunch of, uh, hopefully impact a bunch of kids' lives by like helping them learn faster because yeah. they were really have millions of data points of data on how people learn. And she was there for a few years with Ben helping with education. And now Ben went off. I, I mentioned Ben because he's very much kind of a, a data scientist at heart. Yeah. And, uh, although his founder, you know, his title is officially CTO, he went off and founded Spring Discovery. Now they're doing sort of, uh, helping, uh, age, aging related diseases using machine learning to do that. Lauren went over there with him, sort of part of the founding team. Hmm. And so, you know, again, more, you know, TBD in terms of like what the stats are going to be in terms of founders, but that founder spirit is there and the skill set is so useful. I mean, that's the thing, like regardless, having an understanding of product is like the pinnacle. Absolutely. That's what you can go for. Absolutely. Because whether you're employee, whether you're founder or employee 10 or a hundred or frankly a thousand, you better, you better know what, what, what. And so do you teach that as well? Oh yeah. That's one of the biggest things. I mean, how do you teach it? Uh, you know, I found the only way to teach is by doing. Yeah. So you say like build a product and, uh, then they don't, they give you a graph that shows right. you interesting things. And you say, no, no, like, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and you iterate, you just iterate. I mean, that's the learning experience. You do it wrong and then you iterate and you, you fix it and get better. And so the model at insight is really just continual feedback. So, uh, if at the end of the program, I tell you like, no, that's wrong. Then that's a bad learning experience. Yeah. But at, at insight, you'll be told like, half a day in that that's like not the way to go. And by the like next half day, you'll be closer there. And by the first week, you'll, you'll hopefully be on a, a good path to building a, a cool product. So it's that fast iteration. Feedback. Cool. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that ends up being a problem for a lot of startups or for even people getting into the data science field is like they're encountering very dirty data. And oh, so yeah. now a lot of time actually is like, this is not like, oh, I'm solving cool problems and making products. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm just sitting, sitting here cleaning up yeah. this data just so I can get to this point. Yeah. And so I'm trying to figure out is like, is this something that data scientists need to be aware of that you're just going to walk into this mm-hmm. or something like startups need to start thinking about and like, what can they do to like prevent that? Both, but I, I think you can never avoid it. So it really is the data scientist's job to be prepared for that, to be, to do well at that. And that's what is really, that? what's the I mean, ratio of the job of like oh cleaning God. versus I mean, like, there's this joke analysis. that like 90% of the job is data cleaning. I don't know if it's 90, but it's a lot. Hmm. And it's not just data cleaning because data cleaning sounds kind of lame. Like you're just kind of cleaning things up. Yeah. It, it's, it's, I think more interesting than that. It's like literally like what data even makes sense to get here. It's not right. obvious. In advance, you think it's obvious. You're like, Oh, just throw some data in. What data of yeah. what? And how can you combine that data? And what does it mean to have clean, relevant data? And do you have an that's, example? That's a skill set. Um, well, you know, I'll have, I have an example around the founder side, right? Okay. Uh, so I think founders often make the, the sort of assumption that they're tracking all the right things. And then we've had many uh, experiences where, you know, we'll talk to a founder of, Fellow's going to work with a, like a founder and they'll say, yeah, we got all the data. We got everything. We got tons of data. Big data, big data. Yeah. It's all, it's always it's the big best. data. It's yeah. the best data. Um, and then, uh, you know, and then you, you open it up and it's like, oh shit, they, 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 they didn't track, um, user logins, like which user was logging in. They're tracking like all the movements on the site, yeah. but not which movement, which user was using, doing that and at what timestamp. And again, it, it's like, oh my God, what, like, like all this data is, borderline unusable because we can't kind of peg it to specific behavior and, and model that behavior. And, you know, it, it when you're looking at it from the data perspective, it sounds like hilarious. Like, yeah. why didn't you track users? Yeah, yeah. But you know what? 
I, I'm a founder. I know when you're a founder, you're thinking about a million different things. Yeah. You're going to have a million different trade-offs. And honestly, like, yeah, the loggings turn on. Like, let's go, right? Let's build. Let's, and then a year later, you're regretting that. So again, uh, I think a lesson learned for sure. That's why it's like, Hey, have a coffee with a data scientist. Like maybe all you'll get it from it is like log your user, uh, logins, but that might be enough. And then, and then a year later, you can get started with a data scientist. What's the best tools that people should do for tracking data? Or like, is there a product yeah. that, that so, startups should use just right out of the gate that you right. know that if they do this, they're right. just going to start on a good So, file. you know, honestly, I, 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 I saw some of the questions on Twitter and I, you know, folks always ask about tools. So I was actually asking around with some of my team, like, Hey, like, what's the latest on this? And, uh, there are great tools, I think for just sort of like basic analytic tracking of like websites. But if you're really building products, like it's still to this day, we see the teams roll their own, hmm. um, because there's so much, um, there's so much, such a disappointing, it, it is answer. a disappointing answer. And well, I think, you know, listen, there are companies working on it, some YC companies, and they're slowly progressing up to more sophisticated, uh, sort of data products. But at the end of the day, if your lifeblood is a very specific product that does something very specific, like there's like nothing beats just having somebody very thoughtfully say, what do we actually care about tracking here? Okay. How so do the, we track it? How so stepping back then, yeah, yeah like assuming yeah. there, there is no yeah. easy answer then. Yeah. You're a founder. Yeah. You just started your thing. Yeah. Can you give me like five or 10 things that I should be tracking? Well, I mean, it really depends on the company, right? Sure. Uh, okay. Fine. So, so I, I think the, the number one thing you have to think about as a founder is actually not even what you're tracking. Cause honestly, if you think about this first thing, right, I think that'll become more obvious. Yeah. The first thing you got to think about and think about it right is what are you actually trying to optimize? What's the one or two metrics you actually care about? What if you're thinking about machine learning and building predictive models? Like say you had a mach- magic machine learning model that like did whatever you want, but you only had one or two. Which, which problem in your company would, would you, would you apply it to? Cause I think what, what I see folks do is, Oh, I know my business in and out. And so, so I, I know my metric is this, 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 and this. And then, uh, I, Oh, machine learning will build this, 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 this. And you know what? You might at some point down the road. But initially, you're going to have to focus. And if you don't have that focus, that's where you get into this habit of I'll just track everything or nothing. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you know what you're trying to optimize is, um, let's say, know, I'm, let's say I'm Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. What am I going to start tracking? Oh, I mean, you're, you're, you obviously want to see how, how, uh, long people are watching the video, how far they get in that video. Uh, one of the teams there, less obvious is people are using different devices on different bandwidths. So they, track i mean they test this stuff and track it on all sorts of different different machines so again like if in a generic in a generic tool would you have a situation where you're testing like a stream on a hundred different devices and no you wouldn't because like if that's not core to your business why would you ever do that right but if you're netflix you better be doing that and because you know that user experience is is the key right khan academy it's something different right for Khan academy it's like you know Maybe it's the amount of time kids are spending on a question and that's telling you something about whether they're learning where on another site, it's like, you don't really care about the timing. Yeah. You just care about the flow. Can I, I got simplify that? So, so, so for us, like for any metrics. startup and most yeah. companies, it's like always like my goal is growth. Yeah. And, and for us at YC, we've actually pretty much simplified it where it's just like, look, for the most part, your KPI that your company is actually interested in driving, it's either going to be revenue. Right. And that's like, 99% of the company. Yeah. And for some like consumer, very difficult play is like, I'm going after engagement, like sure. daily active users yep. is the ideal. 
sometimes it's weekly active users. So that's just the nature of the right. product. And so to me, it's just like, okay, what drives those two things are really just like only two numbers. It's like conversion and then like churn. Yep. And so I imagine like most questions fall into those two categories. Yep. Like what increases co- conversion for revenue uh, and what reduces churn for revenue and mm-hmm. the same thing for like yeah. engagement. So those are, so I'll, maybe I'll speak directly to those because, because you're now you're kind of zeroing in on certain types of companies. And so for churn, we've, we often have fellows built a churn prediction models for startups. So again, they, they're, they're customized because there's, I mean, churn, churn for what, what's happening. Yep. But when we're talking about churn, it's a customer deciding to stop using the product. And if we can predict that ahead of time, then they're able to intervene, maybe offer a discount, maybe engage that user, get feedback. So those are top of the list. And for conversion, experimentation is the key. It's like these, these experimentation frameworks. I always feel like a lot of times startups, especially early, early ones, they neglect that whole churn question. Yeah. Because I always tell them is like, look, you're obsessed about conversion. Right. Cause you're in sales mode and trying to, yeah. Bring them in. But, but like, it's, if it's I always feel like bucket. it's very expensive. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. improving churn, oh, like improving churn by the same percentage, that's exactly the same thing for current, but it's way easier, Absolutely. cheaper, et cetera. Absolutely. And so is that usually what the first projects that startups and companies should yeah. be looking at if they haven't at all? Absolutely agree. And you know, you know, uh, one thing I'll add about churn is it's often more reflective of what is actually working or not working, right? It's like make yeah. something people want. It's like if you improve churn, that means you're, you're truly understanding what the user wants. Maybe you can get them to sign up or convert just by sort of, you know, having a, a flashy sales pitch, but churn really, you understand it. And then that's where the exploratory data analysis comes in. Do you really understand what your user is doing? That's where the AB testing and often what's called like multi-arm bandit testing, where you're trying various different experiments at once. Uh, that's where you're predicting churn and then trying to intervene to, 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 to help the customer. But it's, but you see what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. it's like a number of different things, all of which are grounded in, do I understand what my user wants? Mm-hmm. Am I building, uh, building to what, what they really care about? I think the other big trend that you're having people sort of obs- obsessed with metrics wise is like cohorts and like retention yeah. Yeah. curves over time. And so what are usually like the best things people should do? Like, yes, just mm. understanding and knowing it, mm-hmm. like that's sometimes really difficult. Mm-hmm. But in terms of improving that, like where does data science usually help? Right. I mean, I, I think it's, it's coming back to churn, right? Cause if mm-hmm. you're, if you're seeing folks drop off at month three and like your, your early cohorts, I mean, I mean, that's a churn problem right there. So yeah, I, I think it goes back to churn. A lot of those sort of dashboards are, you know, are, are, you know, there are great tools for those. So certainly like when I started, people would like hand code, like cohort mm-hmm. analyses. Now, now there's a bunch of tools for that. So I'm not, I'm not saying, so certainly I think in the metrics sort of dashboard domain, there's a lot of solutions. When I was saying that there isn't really a ready-made solution, it's, it's more, it's more that stuff that's, that's kind of, uh, where it's, you're actually building models to improve the product in a very sort of, uh, deep way. Do you guys have a favorite for like, because you yeah. said like good startups have good problems. Yeah. Are you waiting for a sponsorship? I'm trying to understand. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. For like some tool to pay you money to say no, what's so, great? So honestly, at Insight, almost everybody just uses open source, right? So everybody's building oh, okay. Python. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's all the open source. And because that's actually what we're seeing reflected in the industry. So if you go to a, a, a top data science team, by far and away, the, the vast majority of what they're using and building on is, is open source. What, what are the, what are those projects? Um, like I think Python has definitely, it used to be like Python and oh, R. Oh, they're still building it themselves. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Right. And then they just use like what Jupyter notebooks, stuff yeah, like that for prototyping. 
Um, and then, and then you gotta then start building. And then you roll your own. And then you roll your own. And frankly, at that point, as soon as you get away, as soon as you get past the prototyping stage, you're, you're really just building product, right? Yeah. It's the same thing an engineering team does as a startup, right. right? It's like, what tools are they using to build the fundamental product? And, no. and, and that's where you're, that's where you're living. Those data scientists are often embedded with the team building hmm. directly. Who makes the base, best data science? Like from what field have you <laughs> noticed? We're like, oh, th- it's much better that they come from this field. Uh, What's kind of been shocking. I want to know amazing. who your favorite children are. What, what, what's been, I was early days. I was accused of, 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 you know, I'm from physics. So, I mean, <laughs> but now, you know, there's, uh, we, we have fellows from all the different backgrounds. So, so they all succeed. No, I mean, I think that's been the, uh, the, the shocking thing is like how different the backgrounds are. We have a fellow in this, uh, session who's in, as an archaeology PhD. Uh, we had a fellow a session ago who was like an engineer at like, uh, SpaceX, right? Like we had, uh, imagine each of you know, them. So, have so we have, we have our physicists or neuro- like you have like a mathematician, that's like exactly right. going to get the math, understand yeah. the parting tools, but selling themselves and understanding problems probably another exactly. Challenge. So, so often you'll find like a mathematician uh, is great. For instance, often make great data engineers because they think about large scale systems and how can they fail. Uh, I mean, in math is logic systems, but then they kind of transfer that, that, that sort of mode of thinking to, to data infrastructure. But someone like, uh, for instance, uh, psychology, was hmm. one that like in the early days, I didn't really have a network in, in kind of psychology and or, or, uh, neuroscience. And so we did a lot of work to try to kind of put the word out there. Hmm. We found social scientists are incredible, uh, data scientists quite often because they, they know how they to really, ask the right questions. Yeah. And they know how to think about people and ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, obviously data is branching out, but most of the time you're, you're, when you're talking about users, you're talking about customers, it's people, right? And so fantastic data scientists from those fields, but it's just, one of my favorite parts of my job actually is the fact that I'll sit at lunch or a happy hour or just hang out at the office and it's like an astrophysicist with a psychologist with a software engineer with a, you know, electrical engineer and they're all kind of working and collaborating and, uh, it's, it's just incredible, incredible, uh, kind of environment to be around all these different people. You have all these companies coming in, talking with mm-hmm. all your students during the program mm-hmm. and they're usually coming like, with a problem or are they just talking about here's the kind of problems we work on and solve because they're kind of doing a little bit of recruiting in addition to giving an understanding. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and who's it's been really great at that? Uh, we, we have, I mean, or what do th- they do? That's really, there's great. a bunch of teams. Um, you know, listen, I, I think, so the way the program works is fellows will often work with a startup company on, on a project, mm-hmm. but the most of the, but most of the interactions that the fellows have with companies is actually companies coming in who try to hire them, right? And when I say companies, I mean like the actual technical data team coming in, talking about what they work on. Yeah. And, but you know, and trying to hire them. <laughs> um, and so the, uh, the teams that do really well, listen, obviously the ones with great brands, the Airbnbs, the Lyfts, the Ubers, the Facebooks, yeah, the I want to know what like, the little guys have to exactly. do to compete with them. But this is what I found is when startups come in, what often happens is, Fellows come in, what's this startup? I never heard of it. Why do I have to go to this? And they come out, they're like, this is my dream job. I want to work at this company. And I started trying to figure out what certain startups did to do that. And what it really boils down to is impact. The startups that do well, recruiting data scientists, make the pitch. You are critical to our success. If we, if, if, oh, they made it look like fails. they're going to be all stars. Yeah. And, and, and they're telling the truth because a lot of companies these days, frankly, if the machine learning or if the analytics doesn't work, like 
the company will fail. Like that's what they're pitching. Well, to. also when there's that, one of you versus 300 of you. Right. Well, that's a personality thing, right? Yeah. Some people are excited about, I'm going to be the first data scientist. And some people are like, I want, <laughs> I want, I want some mentorship. I want yeah, some, I need a little motor yeah, on me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But when it comes to like, I've never heard of this company before. And then an hour later, like, Oh my God, I want to work for yeah. them. It's always the impact piece. Uh, it's always the, like, if you come here, what you do will matter in a big way. Uh, and, uh, and obviously there's the technical piece that you're going to work on cool stuff, Yeah. but I thought the technical piece would be the biggest one, but the biggest one actually is the impact for sure. Huh? So one thing we haven't talked about, and I actually don't know if you have an opinion on this mm-hmm. is contracting. So mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. an average startup, say they're like a couple years in, they're like, I don't know if we really have a need for this, right. but we have all this data. Maybe we could put it to use. Mm-hmm. Do you see people like doing two month contracts and getting a system up and then just letting it go? What happens? Yeah, I, I think contracting is good for prototyping. Okay. So we see a lot of like when I'm saying YC startups work with our fellows, that's essentially it's a pro bono control consulting, but they're working with them for, you know, the program and yeah. helping to deliver some results. And where that works really well is, you know, often it is in, integrated, but it's at this sort of prototyping stage. Will this even work like or I've got a model. Will this one work better? Okay. If we try this. So let me give you an example of, uh, of one I really like recently, a fellow work with, uh, Isono Health, YC startup, really, uh, amazing product as, um, uh, like sort of in-home breast cancer screening. So it's a device, uh, instead of going once a year to get screened for breast cancer, if you're in high risk, you can do it at home. Um, second leading, leading cause of cancer death in women. So huge impact, potentially life-saving technology. And obviously a big part of that is, can we, do we have the right algorithms to detect and notify a user that, Hey, you need to go speak to your doctor or notify a doctor. Obviously a doctor does the, the, the final thing, but is there something abnormal here that we need to be taking a closer look at? They had algorithms that were working great and and doing well for them, especially at that stage of, Hey, let's just bring it to a doctor to be safe. But they were curious about, Hey, are some of these more like these newest sort of deep learning algorithms that could just coming out in the papers, are they going to do better for us? And so a fellow did that. They took the data and essentially used some, uh, brand new sort of uh, convolutional neural network techniques that had just kind of been published and got better results for them that were almost on par, uh, with sort of expert radiologists. Hmm. And so, uh, I mean, that's, that's awesome. Right. And, and so of course that team then has to do some more work to, to, to implement it to, but that, that's an example where I think consulting works is like, is this going to work? Is this, is this feasible? Is this a prototype? Anytime you actually, I think then kind of Anytime that becomes a, a part of your product, you need a team, right? Because it's never static. Some something's going to evolve and change, and you need to be able to evolve it. It's some. It's just like asking, like, uh, can a startup just have like contract software engineers overseas? It's like, well, maybe to prototype something, but in general, probably the answer is no, because that that product's going to keep evolving every month, every year, uh, and you need folks on the staff to do it. Makes sense to me. Great. Cool. Um, so I think one last thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, just areas you're excited about in particular. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned health the other day. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what's exciting to you right now health. in the field? Okay. <laughs> I, no, I mean, I'll, uh, there's a bunch of stuff that's exciting me, but, but health, health is the top one that I, I'm, I'm pumped about because it, I mean, the impacts there, right? Like the, the example I, I just uh, shared with you, I mean, early detection, uh, disease monitoring. I mean, you're literally saving people's lives as this stuff works. And what's interesting is people have been talking about the impact in data science, machine learning and health for, for years. Cause you know, you start thinking about this stuff and pretty quickly you're like, Oh, this could make an impact. But, uh, you know, the, the, the actually getting it to work is tough. 
And only, I think in the last few years, we've been seeing a lot of teams actually making really uh, amazing progress there. Um, I'll give you an example I, I love of, of like the impact here. Um, Memorial, Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Hospital in New York uh, has hired out a, a team of data science, data engineers from us over the last few years. And what they do is they build essentially data products, but that are used internally by their doctors. So these are cancer doctors, um, really tough situations. Uh, and they're faced with a situation of what clinical trial do I recommend to my, to my patient? And there's thousands of clinical trials. And there's new ones coming online every day. Which one do you suggest? And so they're building these kind of data products where the doctor gets based on the specific personalized, you know, whether it's genomic or clinical factors. Hey, you should at least think about these new clinical trials that are coming online. And again, the doctor makes the final decision, but it's, but it's, Hey, maybe one of those trials they hadn't heard about now yeah. can save that, that patient's mm. life. Right. And it's, it's, um, Fascinating. it's, it's a really hospital cool stuff. that it's like, a hospital. had this insight. Right. And then, and then soon thereafter, New York Presbyterian hired a fellow and then yeah. uh, Mount Sinai hired a fellow and, and now pharma companies are hiring fellows. And then like, it, it's, it's really fascinating to see data broaden out when companies realize that they can just take it beyond, Oh, I want to optimize this like business inefficiency and really mm-hmm. think, what can I create? That's going to add incredible value. Um, and so health is one I'm excited about. There's, there's, there's a ton more out there. Yeah. That's super cool. All right. Well, thanks for coming in. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks. Great. All right. Thanks for listening. So as always, you can find the transcript and the video at blog.ycombinator.com. And if you have a second, it would be awesome to give us a rating and review wherever you find your podcast. See you next time.